The fact that excessive daytime sleepiness negatively affects functioning should be no surprise to anyone who has ever had to stay up all night on call. We may not have had personal experience with changes in glucose tolerance and immunologic and cardiovascular function, but current research informs us of this risk. Despite all of this, some physicians think excessive daytime sleepiness is a problem made up by pharmaceutical companies just to sell drugs. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I am Dr. Leslie Lunt, author of You Can Think Like a Psychiatrist, your host, and with me today is psychiatrist Dr. Chris Bojrab. In addition to his outpatient practice and administrative responsibilities as president of Indiana Health Group, he has served as the medical director for the Dr. Robert and Lillian Custer Center, an internationally known center specializing in the treatment of gambling addictions. Welcome to ReachMD. Thank you very much, Leslie. It's my pleasure to be with you. Thanks, Chris. You've given hundreds, if not thousands, of lectures to physicians on excessive sleepiness. What do you find is the most common misconception about this condition? You know, it may be hard to pick just one common misconception for a disease state that is as common as excessive daytime sleepiness is. I think there really are a number of very common misconceptions about the condition, including that it's just simply a new symptom, that it's uh, just a perception on the part of the patient, or that this is just a consequence of people's poor choices when it comes to choosing not to sleep an adequate number of hours. So I do think that there are a lot of misconceptions out there, even among our medical colleagues. So do you find, as I do, that many physicians just ignore this problem? I think so. I think at the same time it's such a commonly reported problem by patients, it's something that they don't frequently bring up themselves in the course of an office visit other than making mention of it in passing. And I think sometimes as we're also increasingly pressed for time in our day-to-day practices, we're really trained to, to focus in on specific complaints. And I don't know if at times we're so overwhelmed by the notion of what everything is that could be contributing to excessive daytime sleepiness that it's just too big of a list for us to consider. So we may just want to focus on the patient's chief complaint and ignore the fact that excessive daytime sleepiness may offer us some unifying clues as to what's going on with the patient. Mm. So Chris, how common is this problem? Our best estimates about the prevalence of excessive daytime somnolence place it right around 5% of the population that suffers from clinically relevant excessive daytime sleepiness at some point in the course of their lives. 5%? Huh. I would have thought, at least in psychiatry, it's higher than that. Well, I'm sure if, if we're looking at a clinical population, it is much higher than that. This is simply looking across all comers, every member of the United States. Certainly, if we look at patients that are seeking treatment for specific medical conditions, specific psychiatric conditions, that number would be much higher for a variety of reasons. So roughly 5% of the population, how often do you think it's actually recognized and treated? That's another great question. I would say that of the patient who comes in with symptoms of excessive daytime sleepiness, unfortunately, probably only you know, maybe 15 to 20% of them are adequately evaluated, worked up, and then treated. So it's a minority. Yes, absolutely. So we talked a little bit about this, but I'd like to understand more of why it's overlooked so often. I think there are a number of reasons that, despite its prevalence, why excessive daytime somnolence is so frequently overlooked. I think that, as Americans, we consider ourselves to be hardworking, driven, play hard, work hard people. And I think a lot of the time we just consider ourselves to have brought this on ourselves. It's our lot in life as busy, hardworking Americans. We work hard, so we just expect to pay the piper at the end of the day. And I think sometimes it's the case that people are very poor judges of the quality and the quantity of sleep that they get and the degree to which it impairs them. I think most people really underestimate 
the impact of excessive sleepiness on their day-to-day -day functioning, whether we're talking about their functioning in an occupational setting or an academic setting, or even in the way it can affect relationships with friends and family. And one of the things I've heard physicians say is something like, well, I'm tired too, so buck up. I'm here at work. <laughs> Do you think that kind of macho thing plays you know, a role? I think clearly, I think especially, you know, having gone through the training that we all have during the course of medical school and internship and residency, I think we've, we all suffer from a little bit of that. It's like, well, we've been there ourselves. We've made it through. And if I can survive it, so can you. And, and I've, been through, I've been put through much worse. So certainly your degree of sleepiness couldn't be nearly as bad as what I've put up with. Mm -hmm. So I think that is part of it. I, I think that we tend to minimize the extent to which it really can have an impact in, in people's lives. Now, how about if we look at neuroscience for a minute? Does sleepiness actually impair our insight and judgment? Absolutely. And this is one of perhaps the most under-recognized aspects of excessive daytime sleepiness. Excessive daytime sleepiness is not simply about being tired. It also comes with a terrible cost associated with it in terms of cognitive functioning. As a practicing psychiatrist, I get a lot of referrals, a lot of self-referrals for adult patients coming in thinking that they have attention deficit disorder. ADD and ADHD have certainly drawn a lot of attention in the popular press over the past four to five years. And quite honestly, it's the one diagnosis that people want to come in and see a psychiatrist and be diagnosed with. People may not be so wild about the idea of being told that they're depressed or anxious or bipolar or that they have a personality disorder, but they sort of like the idea that they may have some of that ADD, and maybe that explains why their life isn't turning out the way that they think it should. With an awful lot of these adult patients, if you take a careful history, you'll really see an absence of any formal ADD symptoms when they were younger, yet they clearly seem to have impairments in their concentration and focus. With this patient population, I have a really low threshold for ordering a sleep study or doing an Epworth sleepiness scale to try to assess their level of sleepiness. And I often find when they come in thinking that they have ADHD, what they really wind up having is excessive sleepiness and suffering from the cognitive hit that accompanies excessive sleepiness. So I do wind up doing formal sleep studies in a lot of these patients. If you're just joining our discussion, you're listening to ReachMD, XM157, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Dr. Leslie Lunt, your host, and with me today is Dr. Chris Bojrab. We are discussing how to identify excessive daytime sleepiness. So, Chris, it sounds like, in your experience, ADD and excessive sleepiness kind of masquerade each other. Any other conditions besides ADD that you look for commonly in this population? Yeah, I think there are a number of other medical conditions that commonly masquerade as excessive sleepiness, or rather that can masquerade as excessive daytime sleepiness, such as depression, anxiety disorders, fibromyalgia, autoimmune disorders, lupus, rheumatoid arthritis, anemia, occult malignancies. There's a lengthy differential diagnostic list, and I find as a psychiatrist I'm frequently getting referrals from primary care colleagues saying, you know, I've worked this patient up, uh, they don't have any other identifiable cause of this fatigue, they must be depressed. And we take them through a, a comprehensive psychiatric evaluation, and we're really not seeing the other core symptoms of depression. So I think it's important for us to realize that there are people out there who have excessive daytime sleepiness, that this really is a clinical syndrome that can stand on its own. And it's not always a side effect or it's not always a symptom of some other underlying illness, but sometimes can just be its own set of symptoms, its own syndrome. Now, you mentioned a couple of tests. Maybe we can elaborate on those, the Epworth and sleep study. How would you order those in these patients? 
The Upward Sleepiness Scale is a simple one-page form. It's got a group of questions where patients are simply asked to rate themselves on a scale from zero to three. The likelihood that they would fall asleep in a given situation, such as you know, sitting quietly, reading a book, riding in a car for a certain amount of time. So it's a, it's a really nice, it's a quick and dirty patient self-administered scale that you can leave out in your waiting room. And this is actually one of the few forms that I will have out in my waiting room for patients to fill out before they come in. This is actually a clinically validated tool. This is a clinically validated scale. Our colleagues that practice sleep medicines are quite familiar with it. And more importantly, insurance companies are very used to seeing data on the upward sleepiness scale come to them as part of a report when we're trying to justify our request for a sleep study or for certain treatments or interventions to, uh, to try to correct the underlying cause. Other things that we might consider doing in addition to the Epworth sleepiness scale, of course, is the standard sleep study. This typically will consist of a polysomnogram, an overnight test where we're measuring the patient's respiratory function, EKG, movement, airflow, brain electrical activity, oxygen saturation, and then frequently following that up the next day with what's called a multiple sleep latency test where patients are given a number, typically three to five opportunities to take a nap. They're sat in a, in a quiet, dark, comfortable room. They're reclining, and we measure how long it takes them to fall asleep. And based on the length of time that it takes them to fall asleep, we can get a nice objective measure of the degree of their sleepiness. The average American takes about 13 minutes to fall asleep. Patients that are falling asleep in significantly less time than that, if they're falling asleep in less than 10 minutes or significantly worse in less than five minutes, that's typically a marker of some significant problem with excessive daytime sleepiness and will perhaps shorten the list of disorders that we want to focus on excluding. So we have two ends of the spectrum here. It sounds like a cheap paper and pencil test to do in the waiting room as opposed to a complicated, much more expensive, physician-intensive test in more of a medical setting. How can our listeners get a hold of the Epworth Sleepiness Scale? The Epworth Sleepiness Scale is available in a variety of ways. It's actually uh, easily found if you do an Internet search. If you simply go to one of the popular search engines and type in Epworth, E-P-W-O-R-T-H, Sleepiness Scale, uh, you can typically find PDF files, downloadable forms that you can use. Also, a variety of the pharmaceutical companies that sell products used in sleep medicine typically will also have these that they can make available to your office at no charge. So you can get them free, essentially, other than the cost of the paper? Exactly. Okay. And sleep studies, obviously, you need to refer to a sleep center to get those done. Now, Chris, do you have any suggestions? I'm thinking now of the average primary care physician who has, what, maybe five or six minutes with a patient. How can they do all of this in a regular office visit? You know, Leslie, this is the classic conundrum for our primary care colleagues. We, we ask them to do so much in an ever-shrinking amount of time. I think I read somewhere that the average amount of time that a primary care physician has with a patient in the office these days is about five to seven minutes. So, you know, as a psychiatrist that has the so-called luxury of seeing people for a 15-minute med check, uh, and I only have to concentrate on the neck up, I'm not sure how our colleagues do the entire body. And, Boy, no uh, kidding. <laughs> it's just a Herculean task. Again, I think quick and dirty screens like the upward sleepiness scale become very useful then. Uh, again, this is something the patient can take themselves. They can score it themselves. You can look at it, see the number, and either decide whether or not you need to pursue it further or not. I think asking patients some reasonable questions about their sleep hygiene, their perception of the quality of their sleep, 
and the way that their degree of sleepiness impacts their level of functioning during the day can be a nice start. But honestly, this can be an important enough subject for patients that I think it's really worthwhile to tell the patient at that point, if you're suspicious, to say, listen, I, I think that this is something that we really want to address, that we really want to pay attention to, and I really can't do it justice in the time that we've got scheduled today, so I'd like you to, to reschedule an appointment to come back and see me where we can spend a longer period of time together really trying to track down the origin of this problem with excessive sleepiness, and more importantly, what we can do about it. Well, that makes a lot of sense. I'd like to thank our guest today, Dr. Chris Bojrab. We have been discussing the workup for excessive daytime sleepiness. I'm Dr. Leslie Lunt. You've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. We welcome your comments and questions. Please visit us at reachmd.com. Our new on-demand and podcast features will allow you to access our entire program library. Thank you for listening.